I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. This is our boundless space, deep listening session. And this talk is entitled, The Seven Ways to Listen. To listen is to attend to sound. When we listen with the whole body, when we listen from the heart, from the gut, from the head, do we hear sounds differently? Listening from the whole body, listening from the surface of the ears, listening from the thinking mind, listening from the heart, the hara, do we hear sounds differently? Hogan Roshi has been encouraging us to feel the sound of music. And perhaps listening to music in that loud, full-bodied way teaches us how to listen to all sound. Here it's raining. And if you can hear the rain, can you feel the sound of the rain? Maybe even if you don't hear it with your ears, you can feel it. In Sashin, we have received many instructions on how to attend, how to listen. As Rumi says, listen and feel the beauty of your separation, that unsayable absence. There are so many kinds of listening. Listening invites both longing and belonging. We feel the depths of our separation when we listen. When we listen deeply, the pain of our judgments is felt deeply. The ways that we push others away, the ways that we push away our experience. No, I don't like that. Ow. Separation. Or the ways that we try to make ourselves better or right. Ow. Separation. We feel the depths of our longing to live from presence to be unified, to live and practice from compassion. We long to be free, whole, connected, honest, true, genuine, good. And yet, as practitioners, we have to hold the depth of our aspiration and what we know is possible and meet ourselves as human beings in all the ways that we hurt and hurt others through our thoughts, our beliefs, things that we have been taught and embodied habits of mind. 
And there is a path, right? Listening invites belonging. On that deep, fundamental level that we are always at home. That separation is just a thought in the mind. We can never be separate from ourselves. Never be separate from the universe. It is us. We are home. Listening invites belonging in its simplicity. Listen. Listen. Here you are. Always can return. Always right here. You belong to this being, this place, listening. You inhabit the space of your body, the pleasure of the body, the backbone. These three bodies of Buddha awake in you right now. Listen. Hear. This isn't a scolding, it's a remembering. Listen. Hear an invitation, a calling from your depths. And it is that simple. You hear because you are here. Flora Courtois, uh, the woman I was talking about last time I gave a Dharma talk during the Sashin, she has a story of meeting a young woman while she was living at ZCLA who was in a lot of distress and despair, feeling as if she didn't belong, judging herself. And Flora invited her to open her hearing. She asked, what is the farthest sound you can hear? Stretch your mind open. What is the farthest sound you can hear? Can you hear the wind? Can you hear that distant car? And then she asked, well, what is the most intimate sound you can hear? Get still, listen. What is the most subtle sound? There is no right answer to these questions. But notice what it does to attention, to stretch the mind open and hear the furthest sound. To get still and hear what is the most subtle sound. Engaging and listening in this way, the woman was able to regain her composure to find her presence, her inner sense of home, belonging, belonging to this time and place, a belonging the body knows, the heart knows, awareness knows. Flora said to the woman, whenever you are feeling unstable, unsure, full of self-doubt, overwhelmed, Get still and listen. Name five sounds that are resounding right now. Hear them intimately 
Let them tell you you are home. This inner belonging, inner sense of home is always available as demonstrated from this little story. The biggest barrier in resting in our original nature is the tangle of thoughts, is the wars of dissatisfaction we have with our bodies, our feelings, our thinking. Listening can bring us home. There are so many kinds of listening, and each way we listen, we learn about what it is like to be human. We discover more about longing and belonging. We can listen as a separate individual. We can take up that perspective. We can listen as a human. This is one of the wisdoms of, um, what is that called? Self-compassion. This is one of the wisdoms of self-compassion practice where you take up the perspective, oh, this is a human experience to judge to experience pain, to have a hard time, to have an inner critic. This is part of the makeup of being human. We're confused some of the time. We forget who we are. We struggle. We despair. This is part of the human experience. This is part of our shared humanity. You are not alone. Anything that happens, anything that comes up in your experience is part of being human. Thousands, millions of other humans are experiencing that same feeling, some version of that feeling right now. We can listen as a being of part of a particular race, culture, gender, identity. We can listen in compassion to beings and people who have different experiences than we do. We can listen as the great earth, a cell on this great earth body, this living earth body. We can listen as the universe. We can listen as space. We can listen as inanimate objects, listening as the floor. How does the floor hear? The roof, walls, bowl. We can listen as a child, as a mountain, as the sky. The more at home we are in our own bodies, in our own space, in our own skin, the more we are able to have a fluidity of being experience. We can take up other perspectives of listening, find freedom in that. 
says the wisdom of the koan tradition in Zen. We can take up other perspectives, wider views of ourselves, expanding our sense of self from being an individual to being a human, part of the human collective, part of a society, part of a globe, part of a universe. And the more we are at home in our own bodies, our own space, our own skin, the less we are looking for belonging, validation, affirmation from others. And then the more our presence is an offering, a stabilizing force, a force of kindness. Listening is attention. Listen and you belong here as human, as being, as planet, as Gaia, as universe. Myoyu has been using this analogy at work circle that Dharma practice is a laboratory, an experiment where we study the self. Listening is one of the conditions, the parameters of our experiment during this particular session. We take up listening and in our listening, we study the self. As Dogen Zenji says in the Genjo Koan, to study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas. To be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas is to free one's body and mind and the body and mind of others. No trace of enlightenment remains, and this traceless enlightenment continues forever. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. During this sashin, listening is the method, technique, the way. We put ourselves into the listening experiment. Each moment, the instruction, listen, listen. What are you listening to? Toning, music. Ambient sound, inner ear sound, chanting, eating, sleeping, showering, walking in forest or city, cooking, cleaning, watching a sunset, tending a child. The same instruction, listen, listen, be aware, be attentive to the sounds of your life. On the cushion, off the cushion, whatever you're doing. And there are so many kinds of listening. So I'd like to explore seven kinds of listening, the seven ways to listen in practice awakening. Listening as concentration. We listen deeply. We become absorbed in sound. Listening samadhi, union. Listening trains the mind to stay in the present moment. This sound, this sound, this sound. Listening gives attention something to do. 
besides just floating back into the thinking mind, listening draws us into ourselves, unifying body, mind, unifying hearing, sound. And we keep coming back to listening. Sounds call us home. People have been having that experience of their mind being kind of in a thinking train, and then a sound brings them back. The loud sounds can do that, the sounds of the music, the sounds of the clicking, the sounds of the bird. Sounds call us home, home to here and now. Our listening becomes unified, and as our listening becomes more unified, our attention simplifies. We hear more and hear more completely as the chant goes absorbing world sounds, moment to moment, non-stop flow. Listening as concentration, the first way of listening. Listening as a study of the self, the second way. Listening as a study of the self, as we engage in listening, we uncover, discover who we are on so many layers. What are we made of? What is this self? We tend to live with many assumptions of who we are, of what this world is, of what Sashin is, if we've done it enough, how we should be, how others should be. When practicing listening, we can hear beyond the ordinary mind, which is caught in assumptions, opinions, status, its own rightness or wrongness. We listen and learn to listen to the sound of thoughts, just the sound. We listen and feel what it feels like to listen to a daydream. What's the frequency of the inner critic? We listen and feel what it feels like to listen to anxiety and worry. Each has its own tenor, tempo, tone. And we come back to bare, naked listening. We familiarize ourselves with silence, and we can recognize all the tones of feeling, thought, emotion that resonate in our chamber. Sometimes we listen from the judgmental mind. Sometimes we listen and feel the depths of our separation and it hurts. It hurts to be so angry, so judgmental, so lost in thought. We listen to how we create suffering. We listen to how we recoil, resist, hate, blame. This is all part of studying the self. We see what the self is made of, all that we contain. Next, Dogen Zenji says, to study the self is to forget the self. To study the self is to forget the self. The third way to listen is listening as compassion. 
the Bodhisattva of great compassion, Avalokiteshvara Kuan Yin Kanze On. We have many names. The Bodhisattva of great compassion is also referred to as the Bodhisattva who hears the cries of the world. As we listen, we expand our capacity to hear, listening to sharp sounds, percussive sounds, loud, disturbing sounds, leaf blower, mower, and at times hearing them as sound, pure sound. We listen to our judgments, our pain, our opinions, our shame, and at times hearing them as sound, pure sound, the cries of the world. Listening as Kuan Yin, the depths of infinite compassion and love. True compassion comes from wisdom. Great compassion rests in spacious, open embrace. Great compassion embodied she, he, they see everything as worthy of love. This is a perspective we can take up. We can listen as compassion. The Bodhisattva of great compassion understands how confusion and fear cascade into hate and greed, that humans are afraid and in pain, are suffering from identity crisis, have forgotten who they truly are. Great compassion is embodied in the archetypal goddess of compassion who turns the tears of fear, the tears of despair into the waters of compassion. And perhaps for each of us, we have our own version of the embodied form of unconditional compassion, the embrace of our own ancestral line or the ancestors, the Buddhas, Mothers, grandmothers, fathers, grandfathers, aunties, poets, lovers, friends, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, pets, all serve as reminders of the great compassion Bodhisattva. Listening as great compassion, we are reassured of the basic truths of the universe. This too shall pass. Great compassion reminds this, whatever you are feeling, thinking, believing, it isn't who you truly are. It isn't who you are completely. Your vow, your awareness is much more all-embracing and continuous than whatever challenge is arising in this moment. You can meet it. The spacious heart can meet it. Great compassion reminds you are not alone. We are all one and all connected. 
from before the universe was formed and on and on and now, here, lean back into the support of great mother spaciousness of infinite, unfathomable love, unconditional compassion. The fourth way to listen, listening as the nature of mind, listening from the nature of mind. Listening is self-aware. You are aware. Affirm that for yourself. Recognize you are aware. Awareness is vast. Free. Awareness is spacious, infinite, true. Awareness is aware. It is the most simple, basic aspect of mind's nature. To be aware. As Naguma says, it's so simple, we don't recognize it. Awareness is the part of us that is always free. Unbound. Whole. Each sound, each thought appears and disappears. Each sound, each thought shines forth a reminder, shines forth from awareness, is self-aware, dissolves back into awareness. Each sound, each thought self-liberates as awareness itself. You do not have to do anything. Each moment of sound, each thought, each tone, emotional, physical, light, or seemingly heavy, all of it self-liberates, is self-aware, knows itself. You do not have to do anything, and even the sense of having nothing to do or something to do self-liberates. Relax into the nature of hearing. Hear everything as a great musical score. Everything screaming out, listen, listen, listen. Hear me here now. Your original nature free spacious, without fixed self, even the most challenging states self-liberate, shine out, call out, and vanish, leaving what? The space of mind pure, whole, reliable,
To forget the self, Dogen Zenji says, is to be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas. Next way of listening, listening as the earth. Great Master Dengshan, the founder of the Soto Zen School of Buddhism, in Chinese, the Tsaodeng School, had a very curious heart, very inquiring mind. At one time, he asked his teacher, Nanchuan, do insentient beings, non-sentient beings speak the Dharma? Do rocks, plants, animals, pebbles, tables, flowers, planets, stars, space, do they speak? Do they have a voice? Do they teach the Dharma? He asked two separate teachers this question, and both teachers said, yes, they do. And still he inquired, because it wasn't good enough to just hear someone else say, Yes, they do. He asked, well, why can't I hear them? Do you hear them? And he listened in all the ways that he knew how. A question like this, however it's articulated, is deep and fundamental. He's asking, what is alive? With whom do we share this life? If I'm alive, am I independent of all this other stuff? Trees, walls, gardens, robes, bowls, computers, cell phones, airplanes, fighter jets. However, someone answers a question that is so fundamental to our heart. If we only understand it conceptually, it doesn't touch us. It doesn't matter in a way. This isn't a question where a conceptual understanding means much of anything. And so one day, after asking the question sincerely, holding it in his heart, after traveling to another teacher to ask again the same question, listening closely, hearing intimately, the teacher said a turning word, and Dengshan had a realization. He say, said, he proclaims, How wonderful, how splendid insentient beings speak the Dharma. Listening with the ears, no sound. Hearing with the eyes, one understands directly. How do we listen beyond the ordinary mind? Here with all the senses, here as the earth in communion with all of life. How do we honor this life in all its forms and manifestations? Joan Halifax Roshi asks, Will we talk to mountains and clouds, I ask myself, as our ancestors did? She goes on, speaking in creation's tongue, hearing creation's voices, 
the boundary of the soul expands. Earth has many, many voices. Those who understand that earth is a living being know this because they have translated themselves to the humble grasses and old trees. Those who understand that earth is a living being know this because they have translated themselves to the humble grasses and old trees. Like Dungshan did, like we are called to do. She goes on, they know that earth is a community that is constantly talking to itself, a communicating universe, and whether we know it or not, we are participating in the web of this community. A Daine elder told her of the advice he received from his grandfather. He said, know that things in nature are like people. Know that things in nature are like people. Talk to tornadoes, talk to thunder. They are your friends and they will protect you. To be enlightened by the 10,000 dharmas, Dogen Zenji says, is to free one's body and mind and the body and mind of others. No trace of enlightenment remains and this traceless enlightenment continues forever. The next way of listening, listening as a bodhisattva, a true friend. The bodhisattva chant, we chant, the bodhisattva vows that we chant every day during Sashin after the Dharma talk resound, beings are numberless, I vow to free them. To listen to someone free of your opinions, judgments, projections, to see another, to be in another's presence, free of your opinions, judgments, and projections is probably the most generous act a human can do for another. Similarly, to listen to someone, to be with someone, and to let them be as they are completely, without trying to fix them, change them, make them go away, without trying to get love or understanding from them. Listening to another with attention feels like love for both parties, I would say. Listening, we offer our inner sense of belonging and empower someone to resonate with their own sense that it is okay. When you don't react, you teach calm and acceptance through your own regulated nervous system. Your spacious mind and presence has power to open another's heart or to give them a taste of stillness and peace. Byron Katie has this story that is aspirational for me. And I personally do not know this level of equanimity, but I'd like to share this story. She said uh, at one time early on when she first started offering the work, which is her method of, of inquiry and practice, 
Um, she had people who would come and live at her house for periods of time and do the work intensively with her. And this man's wife came and lived with Byron Katie, and the man got pretty angry. And at some point came to her house um, with a gun and wrapped his arms around Byron Katie and cocked the trigger and was holding the gun at her belly level. And this whole time, she was calm and kind, her mind spacious. And all she said was, I hope you don't do that to you. I hope you don't do that to you. And she disarmed him. Just with her words, not with her physical force. She disarmed him and he started sobbing. It was as if he was seen through unable to get the reaction, perhaps, that he was looking for, to scare her, to make her cry or scream. Instead, his fear and pain were met with love and understanding, with kindness and compassion, with true listening, which is a seeing with the whole being. Again, I share this story because it's aspirational. It shows us uh, what is possible. When we listen and understand our own suffering, which is how Byron Katie worked with her own mind, she listened and understood her own suffering, saw through it to the core. When we are able to do that, the more we're able to do that, the more we can see suffering in others. And instead of reacting out of our, our own fear and insecurity around being in others' pain, we can see it for as it is and meet them with less fear, less reactivity, perhaps with unconditional love, perhaps with kindness, or a willingness to stay. Of course, whatever we do needs to be genuine, and we are all always practicing and doing the best we can. So let what is aspirational for you be aspirational and continue to work on your practice moment to moment. We listen to our heart's openness or closeness. We listen and hear when we are coming from reactivity, and when we have space to actually be with someone else's pain and confusion with compassion and resilience. Final way of listening, listening as art, creativity, offering. As we listen to silence, we rest deep into ourselves. And this kind of listening, we become more genuine, more and more ourselves. Our lives become more an offering. The quality of voice and the sounds of our chanting and toning has evolved over the course of the week as we settle deeper into ourselves. As we listen our responses are more in tune with our environment. The noises at Orioki quieted. 
as we pass the bowls with more attention. I notice during Sashi, my, my room naturally cleans itself because I'm more attentive to where I put things and my state of mind is more clean and spacious. I've noticed our interactions are more genu- genuine. Mm-hmm. As we share mm-hmm. in group sanzen, we're able to share more of ourselves. I've witnessed this in both sanzen and group sanzen, the depth of the sharing, where we're speaking from, what we're able to see about our states of mind, the transparency, the care for others when others speak, is a testament to the depth of our listening. When we listen, our voices come from a deeper place within us. Our hearing, our seeing, our awareness and expression contain more. And perhaps we're more attuned to beauty, joy, play, curiosity, spontaneity. Listening is our pleasure. We are co-creators in this life playing our role, sharing our voice when the time is needed. I wanted to share an interesting story about interspecies communication. Um, This is from Jim Nolan, who's an artist and musician who's been interested in speaking to animals with music. Much of his work has been focused on playing music with orcas, who are very vocal animals. This is from Jim Nolan. In 1986, we invited five musicians onto our boat and studio with the intent of forming an ensemble to interact with the whales. There was a classically trained oboist, a rock and roll drummer, a violinist steeped in German avant-garde. He was the fourth whose my own music is about connecting to whales on guitar and mandolin. And then they also invited a Tibetan Lama named Senjur, who is the abbot of the Vajrayana community in Vancouver, BC. Several times during our month-long stay in the Johnston Strait, we set him up in the cabin of our boat to chant his Buddhist prayers through an underwater sound system into the water. He chanted Om Mani Padme Hum, which is the mantra of compassion. Om Mani Padme Hum. Whereas the Western musicians elicited either a clear response from the orcas or complete disinterest from the whales, and there are recordings of the orcas and musicians playing music together, singing together, the lamas chanting often caused the orcas to draw very close to our speakers and then turn dead silent. In 30 years of producing musical field projects with orcas, no other human has ever transformed these very vocal orcas into into a rapt audience. While this recording was being produced, two whales from the local pod were spotted and identified hold next to our underwater speaker for several minutes, listening in silence. You can listen to recordings of him making music with the orcas. His name is Jim Nolan, and his website is Interspecies Communication. 
Each of us has a unique voice, a unique offering in the world, a unique set of things that we're interested in. Jim Nolan is interested in playing music with whales, but each of us has our own interests and ways of expressing and ways of hearing and being heard. Each of us hears what we can hear. And through our listening, through attuning to our life, we will share and we will offer ourselves as part of being human. So may we continue to offer from the deepest presence and compassion that is available moment to moment. As Leonard Cohen has been quoted as singing probably millions of times, this quote has been shared. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. <laughs>